Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Dan from Georgia, and today we're going to do an in-depth study of Nehemiah chapter 13, which is a very, very important chapter at the end of the book of Nehemiah, but we're going to back up a little bit into chapter 12 to set the context for chapter 13. Okay, Dan, uh, turning it over to you. Take it. Okay, do we want we want to start off with the article, right? With the uh, oh yeah, right. The, yeah, I forgot. There's an article about uh, new new versus old wineskins. A lot of people don't realize, you know, what that's all about. It's very symbolic, and uh, you know, it, it's rarely talked about. What's the difference between new and old wineskins, or yeah, wine bottles, as as also mm-hmm. called. All right. And this particular article comes from the BibleTools.org website. It's called What the Bible Says About New Wine as God's Holy Spirit. And it starts off Luke chapter 5, verses 37 and 38. The Bible uses wine in a wide variety of ways. It can represent a drug or a blessing. It can be a symbol of debauchery or of abundance. Wine was part of the drink offering, symbolizing being poured out in service. It was part of Melchizedek's blessing on Abraham. And 2,000 years later, Yeshua uses it in the Passover as the blood of the new covenant. Psalm 75 shows a cup of wine of God's wrath. And Revelation 18 depicts a cup in the hand of Mystery Babylon, representing its intoxicating culture and the spirit of the times. Obviously, not all of those meanings are in view here. But when we link the new wine with Jesus being taken away, verse 35, it coincides with the Passover cup, representing Christ's blood and the new covenant. When we add the fact that the Holy Spirit could not be given until Jesus had gone away, then the new wine entails more than just forgiveness, but also suggests God's spirit, his love, power, and sound-mindedness, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. In the example, the new wine is expansive. The fermentation process produces a great deal of pressure. An old and brittle wineskin will not be able to withstand the increasing stress, and it will burst. Okay, this is very interesting because this is exactly what happened to Peter and the Judahites who did not want to give up the rituals. Okay, and when Yahshua came... Those rituals were done away with. They were no longer necessary. Why? Because they all pointed to the coming of the Messiah, right? So if you're still practicing those rituals and you're trying to squeeze the Holy Spirit, which is Pentecost, right? That's coming up on May 23rd, of course, this year. Then it's not going to be able to stand the pressure of the Holy Spirit, your body, what it's saying is, your body, your temple will not be able to contain the Holy Spirit if you think that those rituals are still mandatory. Okay, back to you. And just to, to make sure everyone knows, it was the rituals that were done away with, not the law. The law that's, still stands. That's we right. We still shouldn't murder. We still shouldn't steal. All that stuff still applies, but not the rituals. Yeah, well, that's probably why the Judeo-Christians are, are lying to us, cheating from us. You know, the, the so-called prosperity gospel, which is nothing but cheating poor Christians and turning their money over to Jews pretending to be Christian pastors. Wow, mm-hmm. wow, what a world. Do you, do you think that maybe this, this old wine 
or this uh, fake version of the new wine is causing people to be delirious? Absolutely. Yep. yep. Oh, and giving their money to Israel, <laughs> hoping to be blessed? Are you kidding me? But that's what's happening, folks. All right. Sending it to sending it to Satan's children, hoping right. to be blessed. That's right. Okay, continuing with the article, the wineskin is a type of vessel. Throughout Scripture, vessels are symbols for people. For Christians, there is an old man and a new man. The old man represents the life we had before conversion. And the new man, the new vessel, is the life that comes because of conversion. But if we take the expansive and dynamic new wine and we attempt to put that into the old life, we can be sure that we will have a disaster on our hands. <clears throat> our old lives, our old ways are entirely incompatible with the new wine. The new wine represents or requires change, expansion, and steady improvement. While in the old life, there was no real desire or ability to change. That's right. Remember, the new wine is tied to the blood of Passover, the new covenant, the receipt of God's spirit, and the and the spiritual result that will be produced by those powerful factors. Trying to cram all that into a person who is unwilling to change will invariably result in his coming apart at the seams. The precious new wine is spilled on the ground and dreadfully wasted. Oh my goodness, crying over spilt milk? How about crying over spilled wine, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Chuck Baldwin just did an outstanding, he does a weekly presentation, and uh, his most recent one was about how the Christian churches, the Judeo-Christian churches, are losing membership dramatically during this whole COVID scenario. Why? Because they're fair-weather Christians, right? The Bible tells us you will experience tribulation, Yahweh will chastise us when we do evil and if we're not up to snuff, okay? So these fair-weather Christians are being judged, and they don't like it. Why? Because they, they believe that the, uh, that the Jews are God's chosen people. That's the old wineskin, wine right? And since they have been disobeying Yahweh's laws, as you just pointed out, they're bodies aren't able to take the pressure of having to adapt to, they haven't adapted to their new covenant, to put it bluntly. Wouldn't that be true, Dan? They haven't yeah, adapted to the new covenant? Yeah. Okay. So this it's 2,000 years after the fact, they still haven't adapted to the new covenant. But they, right? think they, they, they think they, they never, have. They think they have. They never even discussed the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah, and, and that's all they, correct. All they think you have to do is believe. Right. All you got to do is believe in Jesus and you're saved. You're good yeah. to go. And this old rapture garbage that's taught in these oh, churches, yeah. you know, that that's part of the um, what is it, the Schofield Reference Bible. He picked that up from Darby, and he promoted it uh, with Jewish money, right? Uh, Samuel Untermeyer, the Rothschild agent, paid him to distort the scriptures for for the Jews. So this is what's happening to our people because they believe Jewish lies. If, if there's nothing else that we here at Eurofolk Radio can establish is the fact that modern Christianity 
is laden down with Jewish lies, Jewish fables, as Paul calls them in the New Testament. Our people never learn because they have old, old minds, you know. Uh, they have been Judaized, whether they realize it or not. Okay. Well, they don't want to admit that they're wrong because, you know, it hurts your – it's not good for your ego and your pride to have uh, to admit that you've been duped and deceived and that you're wrong. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to grow as a person, as a Christian, you have to admit that when, right. when you know, when the facts are presented – yeah. Right in front of your face. Yeah. So that article by Baldwin demonstrates that, that uh, by 10 or 20 percentage points in many cases, uh, formerly uh, pe- people who believed in the Gospels have lost faith because, well, because they, they believe in the prosperity gospel. And if they simply go to church, uh, Joel Osteen's church, they will thrive. Well, no, that's because he's not teaching the true gospel. All right. So. Uh, this is why they lose faith in Christianity. But it's their own fault for not studying. Paul says, study the scriptures to uh, find yourself approved. But they don't. They just listen to these uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, and they get disappointed, and it just shows how little faith they actually have. All right? I think, too, you know, they hear all this stuff like rapture and all this unbelievable garbage and it sets a bad example for people who might be interested. It turns yes. people away from Christianity. You know, That's when right. You hear all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Bertrand uh, uh, Comparé uh, makes that point in, in many of his articles that the uh, modern Judeo-Christianity just turns, especially young people, young people get turned off by yeah. all this uh, you know, lame, lame-ass preaching and yeah. Uh, yeah, and the prosperity gospel. And plus, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because they, they don't analyze the scriptures like they're supposed to in a historical sense, right? They, they've left out the historical setting of scripture and only teach modernism, <laughs> as yeah. Howard B. Rand called it. He he, the modernism makes us sick to our stomachs, right? Makes him Yahshua yeah. sick to his stomach, so that he 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 pukes us <laughs> out, right? And that's what's happening to our people. They don't get it. You know, you know, though, in their defense, I mean, I used to think that way, too, at one time, because I'd look at these crazy doctrines that these so-called churches would teach. And yeah, I'd never even heard of a concordance until I came across Christian identity. Right. You know, and um, so to their defense, you know, they're just mm-hmm. They just, um, they're not taught any better. You know, all they have is the, the example that they have are these big mega churches, which just yeah. set a bad example, and they never go into depth with their studies or anything. Right, right. Yeah, but it's been the history of our people throughout history that if we have a good leader, like King David, the people thrive and they, they practice righteousness. But then as soon as we have a bad leader, they follow the exa- they follow the example of a human authority rather than the scriptures, right? Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. wrong with our people that they can't that they can't maintain a righteous lifestyle uh, w- without that authority, you know, to tell them what to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, in Kings, remember we read in Kings where uh, Yahweh wanted to be our king, but they didn't want. 
that, uh, yeah. him to be their king. You know, they wanted a man king like all the other nations. Right. Yeah. Well, we got what we wished yeah. for, right? Well, yeah, right. We got what we wished for, and uh, we're going to get what Yahweh wants this time, <laughs> right? Yeah. At the judgment day, we're going to get what yeah. Yahweh wants, not what we want. Just get ready. Get ready for it. Okay. Let's get into Nehemiah. A few okay. verses Did from you chapter. Want me to read the um, the rest of this article on the. Uh, uh, no, the it's a, it's pretty redundant, you know. So. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's by the same author as well. It's just uh, you know a, a few more details, but it's a very good article. You know, it's, it it talks about the symbolism of the wine skin, and uh, you know, which is something that's rarely talked about in uh, in Christianity, even in identity, right? So, what does the old wine skin versus new wine skin mean? Well, we are we are. You know, our bodies are the wineskins, right? And if we're practicing Judaism, which is the old wine, <laughs> right? Actually, the uh, Judaism isn't even uh, mentioned in the Bible. That, that's a modern word invented by Jews. But the mosaic rituals, the old wine is the rituals, okay? And the new wine is when you accept Yahshua Messiah as your Savior and the, then the rituals are done away with. But if you still adhere to those old rituals like the Jews are doing, you know, they, they want to reestablish the rituals in a third temple, a totally unscriptural prophecy that comes from the Talmud, not from the Bible. Then, uh, and if you believe that stuff, then you are an old, you're living in an old wineskin, and that wineskin is going to burst. Okay? Yep. And our right. bodies are actually the temple of God. That's right. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and they say that Paul reinvented Christianity. No, he is the one who is uh, elaborating on the Old Testament truths and symbolism. You know, he, he was not a Jew and he was not a Judaizer. He was the exact opposite. But because the, the translations have been distorted and people falsely believe that Jews are Israel and the non-Jews are Gentiles, which is not a word that any any biblical author used, they have been deceived accordingly, right? So our job in Christian identity is to straighten out the mess that the Jews have made of the Bible, all right? And that's what we're trying to do here. All right, all right. so service at the temple, Nehemiah 12, 44. Verse 44, and at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes, to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law for the priests and Levites. For Judah rejoiced oh, for the priests. Wait, what, what did it say? It said Judah? <laughs> Judah. Not the Jews. That's right. They got it right. Every once in a while they get it right. Don't yeah, they? yeah. No, it must be a mistake. It must be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, please continue. <laughs> For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. And both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the purification, according to the commandment of David and of Solomon, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion. And they sanctified holy things unto the Levites. And the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. They actually and, paid the singers, <laughs> the performers, right? They were mm -hmm. having a great old time. So this was a revival 
of Yahweh's laws in Judah. Yep. What the, the Jews teach about, uh, well, Esther too, but uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, is that they invented a new religion called Judaism. That's what the Jews teach. No, this was a golden age of righteousness established by Ezra and Nehemiah, the exact opposite of what the Jews teach. But I just realized that there is an episode in Nehemiah chapter 12 that is uh, important as well because it's brought up in chapter 13. And this is where, uh, let's see, one of the Israelite men, one of the Judite men, actually made himself an apartment in the temple, which, which is not lawful, okay? And, okay, uh, so go back, uh, pick it up from Nehemiah 12.38, because I think this uh, talks about that episode. Go ahead. Okay, you said 12.38? Yeah. Okay. And the other company of them that gave thanks went over against them, and I after them, and the half of the people upon the wall, from beyond the tower of the furnaces, even unto the broad wall. Okay, so there was a division among the people of Judah, and which he elaborates here. Uh, please continue. Verse 39, and from, the, and from above the gate of Ephraim, and above the old gate, and above the fish gate, and the tower of Hananiel, and the tower of Mia, even unto the sheep gate, and they stood still in the prison gate. So stood the two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God, and I, and the half of the rulers with me. And the priests, Eliakim, Maasiah, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elionine, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets, and Maasiah and Shemaiah and and Eleazar and Uzi and Jehohan and Malchiah and Elam and Ezer and the singers sang aloud with Jez, Jezrahiah their overseer. <clears throat> also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Okay, so you can hardly read this. Uh, book of Nehemiah without realizing that this was a reestablishment of righteousness in Judah and not the invention of a new religion called Judaism. All right, so um, I'm, I think it picks it up here in Nehemiah chapter 13 about this division that was just alluded to in chapter 12. But uh, this is something that Nehemiah has to sort out. So pick it up on Nehemiah chapter 13, please. 13. On that day, they read the, in the book of Moses in the audience of the people. And therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Wow, right. remember we read that back yep. in Deuteronomy. That's right, right? And so uh, Ezra and Nehemiah are basically two of the most profound chapters against race mixing in the Holy Scriptures, but the Judeos never read them. Never. Okay? Because why? They have been converted to Judaism. They think they're Christians, but they're really Jews in in spirit and in belief. Okay? Back to you. <clears throat> you know, you really don't even need to to read the Bible to know that 
um, how could the Jews be God's chosen people? They don't even, they hate Christ. That's right. You know, you don't even have to read the Bible to know that. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that before I ever knew anything about the Bible. I said, well, Jews don't believe in Christ. I mean, that's just common knowledge. I always thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because the the way they cover their butts on this is they say, well, the Jews will eventually convert to Christianity. All right. But that's because they don't know that the Jews aren't even Israelites. They're Edomites, Canaanites, and Khazars who don't have it in them to believe in Messiah. They have their own Messiah. All right. Mm -hmm. As John Hagee says, right, they have their own Messiah. (laughs) They don't believe in our Messiah, the real Messiah. So, Mm -hmm. but the average Judeo Christian, you know, has this false belief. There's this carrot being dangled in in front of the donkey to make the donkey run toward Judaism, right? And that's that's a sad fact of our people. They're being led around by a carrot, which is a you know, it's probably a GMO (laughs) plastic carrot. (laughs) Not even a real carrot. All right, back to you. All right, check uh, verse two. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass when they heard, when they had heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. There we go again. Mm-hmm. They separated all the mixed multitude. And before this, Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of God, was allied unto Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a great chamber, where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense, and the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, the new wine, and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the offerings of the priests. Okay, so the guy who had established uh, his own apartment in the, uh, you know, set aside, you know, the uh, holy uh, sections of the temple was Tobiah. And Eliashib the priest was, uh, had oversight of the chamber of the house of God. So he and Tobiah, you know, made a conspiracy, you know, that Tobiah would, you know, uh, have uh, live high on the hog here in this chamber. Okay, back to you. Verse 6. But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem. For in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah and preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore. Therefore, I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers. Okay. So he, yeah, he evicted Tobiah, all right? And Eliashib, right? I don't know what Eliashib's punishment was. But here, now these are not Jews. These are Judahites, right? So we can't blame all the evil on the Jews, right? We do our own evil, and we get punished for that as well. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say we can't. We we got to look in the mirror first. Yeah. We, <laughs> All right. You know, blaming anybody, Jews, blacks, whoever. Yeah. We got to, you know, we got to look in the mirror first. We got to work on yeah. ourselves first. Right. Yeah, and the Jews hold that mirror up for us, don't they? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Here, look at yourself. 
No, don't look at me. Look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Do do like uh, give us money and do as we do. Right. Okay. okay uh, yeah. Verse nine. Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers, and thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites mm-hmm. and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil unto the treasuries. And I made treasurers over the treasuries, Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Padiah. And next to them was Hanan, the son of Zachur, the son of Madaniah. For they were, countful, were counted faithful, and their office was to distribute unto their brethren. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God, and for the offices thereof. In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath, Ooh. and bringing in sheaves, and laying asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. Doing commerce on the Sabbath day. Okay, Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to do that. All right. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. There dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which brought fish and all manner of ware, and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that you do and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants set I at the gates that there should be that there should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and sellers of all kind of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them. Why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. In those days also I saw Judahites that had married wives of Ashdod, Uh of Ammon, and Uh of Moab. Not good. No. Okay. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Judahites' language, oh. but according to the language yeah. of each people. Kind of like uh, white children who, who speak uh, ghetto jive, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. It's all happening all over again, folks. That's because we have abandoned his laws. All right. There is nothing new under the sun, uh, is there? No, no. And yeah, the yeah, and and the sun doesn't shine much anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, all right. 
Verse 25, and I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Okay, that's for sure. Outlandish. Wait a minute, what's that word? That's actually uh, a, a very... Con- oh, that's nokri. All right, that's nokri, meaning non, non-white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in German, it's Auslander. And Auslander, you know, because in Germany, they believe that uh, the, the nation should be of, of one race, okay? And uh, most Germans still believe that. And uh, so the German word Ausländer meant uh, meant, uh, people not of the white race, and certainly not Germans, okay? All right, back to you. You know, there was a lot of race mixing with our people. I mean, there was Solomon. Right. was guilty of it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Remember all the... the princes and all were, were guilty of it. Back, we read that in earlier chapters right. of Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah, the guy that was skewered by Phineas. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Him too. yeah, right. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fashion myself a nice long javelin <laughs> for, just for that opportunity. All right. Because that, that, that sin is going to be banished forever. All right. Well, we won't, when the, when the, we're all in the kingdom. I mean, the races will be separate. There's that's not right. Be this. So that's right. Just like, and that's a point of here. Uh, uh, Nehemiah is separating our people from the other races, and that's what's going to happen on the final Sabbath, the first, yep. the first Sabbath in the kingdom. Put it that way. Okay. Yep. There. Verse twenty-seven. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat, the Horonite. Oh, no. Therefore, I chased him from me. Remember them, O oh my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business. And for the wood offering... And at times appointed, and for the first fruits, remember me, oh my God, for good. Okay. Now, there's another reason why chapter 13 is very important here, uh, because I have to bring up Ted Wyland, who dissed the U.S. Constitution. I mean, he raked the U.S. Constitution over the coals because the uh, founding fathers did not embody. Yahweh's laws into the Constitution, uh, or let me put it this way, that they did not mandate Christianity in the U.S. Constitution. Well, they didn't need to because the states mandated it in their constitutions. All right. right? Okay. And the federal government was supposed to be the agency of the several states, not vice versa. Right. Right. Okay. So here we see, so I, I sent a letter to Wyland, and said, if the Israelites in the Old Testament couldn't keep the law, how do you expect 
you know, mandating it. And they had the priests. They had the priests. They had the sacrifices. They had the traditions of Moses. And they weren't able to keep the law. How do you expect our people, you know, just by mandating something, to keep the law? No, they have to have it in their minds and hearts. And you know, mm-hmm. this is a perfect example here of Israel having the law and just totally ignoring it. So what good does mandating it if the priesthood, by the way, yeah, he preaches the law, but he, he doesn't preach racial segregation, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Okay? At least not strenuously. Uh, maybe he does, but the vast majority of Judeo-Christians don't. And the fact is that the priests, if the priesthood goes wrong, then the country is destroyed. And so that's my argument against Ted Wilde. Hey, the priesthood in America has gone dead set against Yahweh's laws. Don't blame the Constitution. Blame the priesthood. All right? So I wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> That's a okay. good point you made about the, the Constitution and the states. The, the states, uh, it, it was never designed for the federal government to rule over the states. That's right. That's right. Never was intended for that. Yeah. It turned but out that way. That's the situation we find ourselves in today. The yeah. states do everything the feds de- uh, ask of them because they want that federal money. Coming That's to right. Them. That's right. It has been totally corrupted by you know who. And yeah. uh, and uh, and Ted Wyland's mandate would not have done a damn thing about it because the Constitution nope. was subverted, uh, began to be subverted by the 14th Amendment. Okay. And uh, the Constitution, as it was written, was perfectly fine, had the founding you know, states maintained their uh, superiority over the federal government, but they didn't. You know, as you were saying, they were bribed into submission by uh, the 14th Amendment, which was created by Jews, agents of the Jews, to destroy the relationship between the sovereign states and the agency, supposedly, of the federal government. Okay, so that was destroyed by the 14th. That was the beginning of the, the destruction of the true relationship between the federal government and the sovereign states. Okay, all right. So let's no, get. Go ahead. No state, no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debt. You know what? That's coming back. Many states, in fact, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, she was the uh, press secretary for Trump. In Arkansas, uh, Huckabee, Sarah Sanders, I forget what her married name, uh, Sarah Huckabee. She's now mm-hmm. governor of the state of Arkansas, and the state of Arkansas just passed legislation that gold and silver are now the uh, uh, coin of the realm. Oh, wow. Wow, right? Wow. That's Double amazing. wow. That is amazing. Right? And other states are getting ready to do the same thing. Why? They can see the handwriting on the wall that the Federal Reserve note, they're getting tired of being bribed with funny money. <laughs> right? Exactly. Okay. Money that money that loses its value every day because there's printed so much of it. So much That's right. Amen. Amen. So, you know, these legis- these legislators know what's going on, right? They're not mm-hmm. stupid, but they're all in, living in terror of the, the people who are bribing, the mafia, the Jewish mafia that is bribing them into submission, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. here we go. 
And uh, so there are several states now getting ready to do the same thing. I think Utah has already done so. So, uh, and there are several states getting ready to do the same. So I hope you didn't throw away your gold and silver, folks. It's going to be valuable, at least until the bitter end, right, when yeah. all when society totally collapses. But even then, it'll be better to have gold and silver rather than paper. Okay? No doubt. Right. But you know who's going to want to who's going to want to go out and uh, spend their silver coins right now when you can hold on to the oh yeah I mean you want to get rid of your bad money the funny money right you know and hold on to your good stuff right now yeah as the saying goes good money drives out bad you know so you better hold on you know you're gonna, people are going to spend their paper dollars as long as they have them before they spend their gold and silver. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy to spend your gold and silver because that appreciates in value, whereas paper mm-hmm. money depreciates in value. I mean, that's exactly. the, that's the golden rule of economics. I don't think you need to know any other thing about economics. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Good money drives out bad. So and, and that's the whole point. That's why the Jews have always confiscated our gold and hoarded gold for themselves and try to take it away from us. Right. I mean, that's all you need to know about economics, you know, and the fact that inflation is Jews printing money, paper money. (laughs) You you can't you can't inflate gold and silver. And now they want to go to a a, 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 a digital money. Oh, yeah. They don't don't even have to print it. All they got to do is type it in on a keyboard. And, and you know, think of all the how they can drive that into worthlessness. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a discussion in the chat room about, uh, I don't know who brought it up, but uh, no, Abraham did not commit adultery with Hagar. As we have said many, many times, that uh, Hagar, although she may have been an Egyptian, nevertheless, the uh, Egyptians were the descendants of Ham, and they were not all corrupted like the Canaanites. The Canaanites were the most corrupted of the Hamites, okay? And uh, also the uh, Philistines were Hamites that uh, uh, by a circuitous route wind up, wound up in Palestine. That's where Palestine gets its name from, from these Philistine Hamites. But uh, they were, uh, in fact, Samson married a Philistine woman, all right? So uh, Yahweh didn't uh, put the pox on that marriage. It was a bad decision, right? Because she t- wound up uh, betraying Samson, right? So you better w- watch out who you marry, <laughs> yeah. right? But it was not a forbidden marriage, okay? Because the Hamites were not racially mixed. I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Philistines were not as racially mixed as the Canaanites, okay? Mm-hmm. And there were several other Hamites that uh, you know, were intermarried with, uh, with uh, Shemites and even Japhethites, although the Hamites were the ones who deteriorated the, the quickest, <laughs> put it that way, right? The, so, yeah, and then Joseph married Azanath, but Azanath, in my opinion, was a Shemite. She was uh, a daughter of the priesthood of An, which according to Dr. Wesley Swift, and I, I wish I had the encyclopedia that he got this information from, that Azanath and uh, the priesthood of An was the descendants of Enoch, the, the continuation of the priesthood that Enoch established. Okay, So those marriages were, were not race-mixing by any means. Yeah, thank you, Swamp Fox. Okay, so yeah, well, now Judah did marry a couple of Canaanite, well, one, sorry, one Canaanite woman, and he had several children by her. That Yahweh struck dead. That's right. Yahweh struck dead. Amen. 
yeah, so that they couldn't mix with us, except for who was the, the one son. They were part of the uh, congregation, the mixed multitude that had to be kicked out in Nehemiah. Uh, I forget the name of that son. So uh, two were struck dead, and the third one did survive to have offspring, uh, but they, they're, not, they're not to be part of uh, Israel. They're never counted as part of Israel. All right, so let's continue. Now we get into my favorite book. Esther, which is not a Jewish book. Sheila, thank you, Brother Aber. That was Sheila. Sweet little Sheila. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, Sheila, no. that's the one, the, the race mixed. Uh, right, offspring one. that uh, yeah. hung around with the Israelites, preferred Israelite company rather than Hamite company, right, or, mm. or Canaanite company. Well, I mean, that's mm. been true of our people throughout history. Because why? We're such a prosperous people when we're allowed to thrive and when our money is not being siphoned off of us by Jews, right? Then the white race rules because mm-hmm. our work ethic, our work ethic ruled the world for centuries, okay? And, you know, uh, these other races, they hate us so much, but they always follow us wherever we go. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Brother Aber says, sorry, can't use gender pronouns. It must be Dela, right? No, uh, I invented a new pronoun for all 57 varieties of gender benders, and it's newts. N-E-U-T. Because why? Because their gender has been neutered. Most of them had their or- sexual organs cut out or cut off, whatever the case may be. And if they haven't been actually removed physically by Jewish surgeons, then they take hormones to neutralize their bodies so that they can't reproduce, right? So newt, N-E-U-T, that's the new, I'll spell it out, N-E-U-T. That's what they are, they're newts. So rather than memorize 57 varieties of gender benders and their preferred pronouns, let's just call them what they are, the neutered people, all right? Didn't Yahweh say male and female? He, yeah, right. Yeah. Two genders. Exactly. The rest, the rest are mental disorders. That's correct. It's called liberalism. Liberalism is a mental disorder. All you know, right. We, all, we, we should do a show on that. I think oh. this, all this transgender garbage is a prelude to the eventual transhumanism. Oh, for sure. Are pushing sure. anything you goes. Know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, we just have to, you know, just point out the insanity of it all, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, they are. Thank you, Kim Smith. They are sodomites. Yes. Yep. Sods. That's another good pro, short pronoun. <laughs> S-O-D, sod. And There's we know a, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, or, or mites. There you go, mites. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's all kinds of good pronouns we can use for those people. Right. Oh, yeah, they would be offended by that, but they offend us with their stupidity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, there is a, a British, the word sod is a British slang word for something. Maybe somebody knows. Uh, you poor old sod, as in the lyrics of a Jethro Tull song. So, yeah, so we can make up pronouns too, folks. All right. Yes, and uh, our pronouns are, yeah, very good, Brother Bear. Anointed, called, preserved, Christian, peculiar. I'm not so sure about peculiar. No, just kidding. <laughs> Special, <laughs> chosen, etc. Okay, all right, let's get into the book of Esther. 
Okay, <clears throat> now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this is Ahasuerus which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, over 107 and 20 provinces. Okay, now and wait a minute. Days, what Didn't it just say in the book of Nehemiah, wasn't his name Artaxerxes? Why the difference in uh, spelling? It should be the same person. You mean Ahasuerus? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, okay, so uh, Akash Verash, Aka, Akarash is how they pronounce it here. But let me back up really quickly here into Nehemiah 13, where he uh, says uh, Artaxerxes. It's, is it the same person? It should be. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Artaxerxes. Arta, Artaxasta. Artaxasta. I would think it's the same person. I'm not aware of uh, two different uh, kings by this name. So, you know, Arta, Artaxasta or Artaxerxes title a title rather than name of several Persian kings. Okay, that's interesting. It's a title. So Esther, let me go back in the book of Esther, and where it is Ahasuerus, and what does it have to say? Of Persian or Persian origin, Ahasuerus, that is Ahasuerus or Artaxerxes. Okay, it's the same. So it's the same person. It's the same. Ahasuerus and Artaxerxes is the same person. It's the same person. Okay, very good. All right. Yeah. Verse 2. That in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days. And when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. So after feasting a hundred and fourscore days, he, he, threw, he threw a party. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was party, party, party. And, okay, well, I was on verse Six, right, yeah. yeah. Where were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance, according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel, for so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also Vashti, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, <laughs> Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal, to show the people and the princes her beauty, 
for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. Okay, let me just interject here because it's very important that everybody understand that the Persians were white. They were Adamites. They were kinsmen of the, they were Hebrews and kinsmen of the Israelites and the Judahites, okay? So this, none of this would be race mixing, even though um, Esther considered it to, uh, to be a sin to be the king's concubine or wife. It wouldn't be race mixing. So she, but she understood that because he was not an Israelite, she shouldn't marry him. But nevertheless, it would not be a forbidden marriage. Okay, it's just that her offspring would not be Israelites because her husband was not an Israelite. Okay, back to you. So this was not uh, illegal by any means. And as a matter of fact, as the books of Ezra and Nehemiah prove, the the kings of Persia and the Medes, the Medes and Persians, were very friendly with the Judahites and Israelites, even though we were enslaved by the Babylonians. But when the Medes and Persians took over, the Israelites had allies. The the Persians were our kinsmen by race. All right, back to you. Verse 14. And the next unto him was Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Meres, Marcina, and Mimikin, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, and which sat the first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to law? Because she has not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. And Memekin answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen has not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes, and to all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. Okay, now you can imagine that Artaxerxes was under great pressure here because you know, Vashti has defied the king. And all his advisors are telling him, oh, now you've got to punish her you know, because this is a public insult. Right? It's a public insult to the king. And uh, I'm sure Artaxerxes would rather keep all this personal, <laughs> right? And, right. Yeah, and talk to her person now. Now listen, woman. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't come uh, the next time I call you, there are going to be dire consequences, right? But it's already been made public, so now uh, he, he can't do anything about this. He's got to act publicly. All right, back to you. You're making me look bad, woman. Yeah, you're, you're, you're making me look bad. That's all. It's all about appearances, isn't it? Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Verse 17, for this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes, when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vishti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. 
And when the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mimikin. For he sent letters unto all the king's provinces, into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. Wow, so I bet this went over well with all the wives who were unhappy with their husbands, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, he didn't need to go that far, right? <laughs> he just needed to punish Vashti, mm-hmm. right? But this is typical of government overreach, right? Is there such a thing as government overreach? <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, Esther, she was an Israelite, not a Jewess. All right? Understand, everybody? This is not a Jewish book. This is an Israelite-slash-Judahite book, not a Jewish book, as we're going to find out, because it gives us their ancestry momentarily. Back to you. As are all the books in the Bible. Amen. Israelite books. Amen. Chapter 2. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace. And to the house of the women, unto the custody of Haggit, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things be for let their things for purification be given to them. Okay, remember that David was ruddy and fair. Yep. Ruddy meaning able to blush, and fair meaning having white skin. Yep. Okay, these people were all white. They were not uh, dark brown Jews, <laughs> right? <laughs> They were white. Back to you. Verse 4, And let the maiden which pleased the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Judahite whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Okay, so he's a Benjamite, not a Jew. Right. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. (laughs) We're actually taking the Bible at its word and not making assumptions that the Jews have taught us. Although they slipped that word Jew in there when it should have been Judah. That's correct. That's how they tricked us. Right. Now the word Jew, since there was no J in the English language or any of the languages, there never has been a letter J in uh, Hebrew or in Greek or in uh, what's the Roman Latin, or even the German languages, they don't have, they have the J. They still, uh, they pronounce Jesus, Jesus, even in Germanic, mm-hmm. okay? So the letter J didn't come into any language except possibly Arabic. I think is the letter J originated with the Arabic uh, language that uh, in the 1700s, because I, I, I saw the, the the gravestones at Williams uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, you know, of the uh, the the people who settled there, 1700s, early 1700s. 
the the gravestones that were uh, put there for people named James, spelled I-A-M-S. King James of the King James Bible, the 1611 Bible, is spelled I-A-M-E-S, no J. Okay? So this word Jew is a, a very recent vintage uh, speaking of uh, sour wine, <laughs> that's sour grapes. Back to you. It was Judah, wasn't it? That's yeah. how in the, in the yeah, New Testament. Exactly. Judah, not Judah. That's how it was pronounced. Uh, we, we got two minutes left. You want me oh. to um, yeah. stop here? Yeah. Okay, very good. So, uh, well, please continue, and we'll just pick it up from Chapter 2 uh, next week. Uh, but yeah, okay. it was because there's more about Esther here, and we can establish who Esther is really quickly. Okay, I was on verse six. Yes, um, and the Shushan, uh, the Mordecai, who right. had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Very good. And he brought, and he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful. Oh, there's that word fair again. <laughs> yep. Right? Okay. Having white skin. Whom, yep. Whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. Okay, so he adopted her. All right. They're both Benjamites. They're both fair Benj- Benjamites. There you go. Uh, able to show blood in the face. That's her, and her Hebrew name was Hadassah, and her uh, Shushanic name, <laughs> Shushan is the name of the province, was Esther. Okay, all right, very good, great job. Uh, let's we'll talk about this again next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. The truth about scripture is being promoted here at Eurofolk Radio unlike anywhere else. Thanks for listening, folks. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you next time. Bye-bye. See you next week.